As Pastor Claire said, uh, Richard and Ruth are indeed appreciation. Your, uh, your cards and these kinds of generous offerings, uh, what they do not need any more of is food. Their freezer runneth over. And uh, so I promised when I saw them for a little bit on Friday morning that I would relay that message to you that they are indeed very, very thankful for the way that you've been helping them during this time of recovery. But as far as food is concerned, they are doing okay. As you heard from Pastor Claire just a little while ago, this morning is considered in the life of our congregation something called Stewardship Sunday. And I want to take this occasion to speak to you uh, on a very practical level about uh, what some of us call a lifestyle of giving. And in particular, I want to share with you some very practical, some very nuts and bolts kinds of ideas that you and I can employ in our lives as we seek to walk into the kind of financial freedom that God desires for us. And so in order for us to do this, I want to invite you to turn with me to our scripture passage this morning. It comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. So if you have your Bibles with you, open up to that passage and uh, read along in just a moment. If you didn't bring your Bibles with you, I think we have Pew Bibles back uh, post-COVID now for you in the pews. This passage may be found on page 1803. But before I read this passage for us, I would ask that you allow me just to give a little background, a little context about what we're going to be reading. Now, in the ninth chapter of the uh, letter of Second Corinthians, Paul is making an appeal uh, to the church in Corinth, uh, the folks to whom this letter is written. He's asking them to take part in an offering for the churches that are located around Jerusalem. The Christians in Jerusalem during this time were experiencing a famine, and they were in quite a bit of difficulty. And in this passage, Paul quotes a variety of well-known sayings and proverbs of the day to show them the benefits of generous giving. Giving, he says, actually enriches and benefits the giver. And he also reminds them that uh, giving is fundamentally an act of worship, an act of worship uh, for the Most High God. And it has the ability to inspire faith and thanksgiving in others as they see us give generously. So let's turn to this passage now. Once again, I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided to give in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. 
Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace of God given to you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. May the Lord God bless to us this reading of a portion of his word. Years ago, when my youngest son, William, I think he was around three years old. I remember how I would take him to his favorite restaurant back then, which was, guess what? What is every three-year-old's favorite restaurant in America? McDonald's, right. And, uh, well, how many of you kids like McDonald's too? Anybody like, do you like McDonald's? Okay, good. All thumbs up. I ordered his favorite meal, a cheeseburger Happy Meal with a Sprite and a toy for a boy. Now, the toy is very important. Am I right? Yes. Sometimes we'll only go to McDonald's just to get the proverbial toy. Somebody in the marketing department probably figured that out at McDonald's. Probably the smartest person in America. Anyway, I remember one time we sat down and... uh I opened up his Happy Meal box, and I poured out his french fries on the wrapper right so I could then put some ketchup on there for him. Now, we ate for a little while, but uh, you all know what happened. I started to smell those fries. And uh, so I, uh, I reached over from across the table to take a few. Now, here's what happened. When I did so, when I reached my hand over to those french fries... William slapped my hand. And he said, no, Dad, those fries are mine. You know, for a Happy Meal, I wasn't that happy at that point. I, I had this visceral reaction. And I had to figure out why. And after a while, I figured it out. You see, William had forgotten that I was the source of those French fries. I didn't need those fries because, quite frankly, theoretically, if I wanted to buy some for myself, I could have done so. As Bill Cosby might say, I could have brought those fries into the world and I could take them out too, right? But you know, I didn't need William's French fries. What I did need him to do was this, which to acknowledge that those fries as a gift came from me. And one way he could have done this was by sharing those fries with me. Now, maybe some of you who are parents have had something like this scenario happen to you as well. Do you remember what it felt like when your hand was popped away? Doesn't feel good, does it? Well, you know, I wonder if that's the same way that God feels when we say to him, Oh, no, Lord, this is mine. I'm not sharing this with you. Even though everything comes from him to begin with. The truth is, God does not need our French fries. I.e., our money. He's not poor. He can get his own. What he wants is for us, you and me, to learn to be generous. 
and to trust that he will provide. In verses 6 and 7 of our passage today, Paul calls on us and the Corinthians to be generous in our giving and to check our motives for doing so. In verse 7, he writes, God loves a cheerful giver. What a concept. Giving has the capacity to make us happy. It's true. And you all know this. Any one of us who have given a sacrificial gift, a a gift that really cost us time or money, effort. We give it and we watch the gratitude of the recipients. We know what it means to be a cheerful giver. It feels wonderful to give things away, especially by doing so. It brings so much joy to others. Now, I want us to take a look at something uh, very particular here. And just for a moment, when Paul uses the word cheerful in verse seven to describe the kind of giver that God loves, the Greek word that he uses there is pronounced hilaros. Now, hilaros is where we get the word English word hilarious. So maybe a better way to translate this phrase would be to say, God loves a hilarious giver. I think hilarious is better. Cheerful seems so low-key, kind of ordinary, too, well, just cheery. Cheerful sounds like cheerio. Keep the sunny side up. Look on the bright side. Start each day with a smile. And you know, all of that is okay. But I think Paul is going for something deeper here. Hilarious is like this. A story about my other child, my oldest son, Brian. He used to laugh so hard when he was a one-year-old. You see, when he was little, I could really make him laugh. Now, I still think I can. Maybe not in the same way, but I think I can still get a chuckle out of him at least. But back then, I could really get him going just by saying something silly or or doing a goofy face or something like that. And so I would get him going in his high chair. And he'd start this giggle up here. He, 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 giggle, giggle, giggle. And I would do something else. And the next thing you know, it'd move down to his little tummy. And he would start heaving and hawing and just all of this kind of stuff. And I would get him going so hard and then I'd give him to his mother. No, you know what I would do? I would put him in the floor and I would get him laughing so hard he'd start dancing a jig like he was trying to get the laughter out of his feet or something. I don't know. Folks, hilarious isn't a chuckle. It says the dictionary says the dictionary calls hilarious uncontrollable merriment. It's rolling in the aisles with laughter. It's joy out of control. Years ago, there was this jazz pop artist back, back in the 70s named Chuck Mangione. Do any of y'all remember him? He had this song called Feel So Good. And they played that song over and over and over again. They played it so much. It's like it's in my head right now. Do any of y'all hear that? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I just can't get it out of my head. Now, some of you might remember that song, but what you probably don't know about that artist, Chuck Mangione, is this. There's a little known fact about him. 
When he started laughing, he couldn't stop. So when he went on talk shows like Johnny Carson's The Tonight Show and things like that, so they all knew that about Mangiani, and so they would get him going. And they would say something just a little silly. And the next thing, you know, Chuck Mangiani is doubling over on the couch. He can't talk. He's laughing so hard. And Carson had a field day with this, you can imagine. And so he just did it more and more and more. Mangione's laughter, his hard laughter, left him speechless. He couldn't get anything out because of the hilarity that he felt. Y'all seen this kind of thing. Maybe you're the same way. A person who laughs so hard they can't even talk. Friends, that is hilarious. And the Apostle Paul is telling us that we have an opportunity with our finances, an opportunity to give of our resources in such a way that our lives can be filled with that kind of laughter. And this is what I call hilarious giving. There are four very practical ideas and principles I want to share with you this morning about uh, hilarious giving. Because when we do these, when we bring these as practices, as habits into our lives, these nuts and bolts things will become a part of our lifestyles. And that's what I want to encourage you about this morning. So the first principle in this is hilarious giving is regular and systematic. Regular and systematic. In his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 2, Paul says this. He says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. In this verse, Paul is asking us to regularly set aside our giving so that we can anticipate how much we will give. He's calling us to form a habit. A lifestyle habit. When we set aside our giving on a regular basis, we can develop a system for how we want to accomplish this. Our system might include writing a check every time we get paid. And that might be weekly or bi-weekly, bi-monthly, once a month. Or it might mean bringing an offering each and every Sunday. Now, a couple of things about bringing our offering. We have this great tool at our disposal here at First Press for helping us create a plan for lifestyle giving. Uh, many of you are aware that uh, the church can help you set up a bank authorization uh, from our checking accounts as a convenient way to engage in systematic giving. Now, you're going to see a form for this on the information that you're going to be mailed later in this week by our Stewardship and Finance Committee. Now, I use this tool myself as a plan for our giving, and I recommend it to everyone. So when the plate passes, I don't have my check here. It's already been automatically taken from my checking account, and that works out very well. And it works well for me, and frankly, it works out well for the church. It's very helpful in that way. But there are just a couple of downsides to this system uh, that I, I want you to be mindful of, okay? The first is this. When the plate gets passed on a Sunday morning, you get the impression that very few of us here in the church actually give. You know, especially you all sitting in the back. 
And by the time the plates reach the very back, you're looking down in this plate and you're saying, golly, how do they keep the lights on around here, right? You know, because it doesn't seem to be a lot. Well, that's not the case. Some folks give by bringing their gifts on Sunday morning. That's fantastic, wonderful, keep doing that. Other us use the automatic give option. But just be aware of that. That's the phenomena that's going on here. There's another downside uh, to this as well. Here it is. It's that our children don't have an opportunity to see us give. I can remember when I was a kid, I had all kinds of misperceptions about giving. I remember after confirmation class when I was about 13 or so, I was given these little envelopes, right? Actually, one envelope, and it had a perforation in the middle, and you could tear it apart, right? And you all remember these when you were kids? And on one side, you had maybe like the operating fund, and on the other, had a little envelope called the building fund. And I remember getting that as a 13-year-old, and I thought to myself, huh, operating expenses or building fund, well, I don't want the roof to fall in. I'll give all my money to the building fund. I mean, that's the kind of thinking that I had at that point. And so here's the deal. Talk to your kids as a parent about what it means to be a hilarious giver. Because let me tell you, no one else will. Every single day, they're going to get a message that sounds like this. You need the newest iPhone model. You need this. You need that. And as a result, if we don't talk to them, they'll probably miss out on the joys of generous giving when they're older. And again, if they don't see us physically giving in the plate, and if they're not doing that themselves, they'll probably miss learning this early lesson. One of the best ways to create a plan for regular giving is to create a monthly budget and then to write out our giving first. The Bible talks about giving our first fruits to the Lord. And when we do this, when we start out with our giving first, then we can create lifestyles that fit around that rock in the river rather than the other way around. So the key is this. If we don't have a plan for our giving, we will invariably always end up giving less than what we sought out to do at the beginning of the year. And I know that's true for me in the past. It may be true for you as well. The second thing about hilarious giving is that it is proportional. It's proportional. Again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, and that he adds this, in keeping with his income. Hilarious giving is based upon proportion, not amount. It's based upon a percentage of income. And so no matter what our level of income may be, everyone can do it. A few days ago, again, I was reviewing the information that we're all going to be receiving in a few days from our finance committee. And uh, included that in information is a chart uh, to help us determine uh, our goals and, and how we're doing in terms of our financial getting. And, and the chart is pretty easy to understand. First, we find our income on the left-hand side of the chart, and then we can trace our fingers over to a right-hand column to see the percentage of our yearly income uh, that we're giving. Now, if you're not at the 10% level, find the giving level that you're currently at on that chart, and then talk about it again as a family. 
what it would mean in terms of your lifestyle to step up maybe one percentage in 2023 on your way to that tithe level. So here's the deal, y'all. For those of you who are live streaming around the world, by the way, in the American South, y'all is the second personal pronoun that we use to make reference to more than one person. I just need to help our live stream audience out just a little while. Because in the English language, the same word you is used for both the second person and the plural pronoun. So we use y'all to denote a group of people. In other regions of the United States, this English language anomaly is handled in other ways, most notably in western Pennsylvania, where they use the term "youins" or you skies. If you're still having trouble with my accent or my English language derivations, we can provide you with an online translator on staff here. His name is Peter DeMaria. And he is from Long Island, New York. End of public service announcement. Okay. All kidding aside. Here's the thing. This church that you and I are a part, First Pres Greenville, South Carolina, here's the news. We are a growing, vibrant church. We have a rich, distant, and recent past, and surely... All the many things that this church has done in terms of ministry and mission here, I am quite sure that this brings a smile to God's face. Even the angels are grinning in heaven. And yet, as great as our past has been, I believe, as I'm sure you do, our future is even brighter. As most of you know, we're ahead in terms of our giving to the building campaign. And the ministries of this congregation continue to expand, including other things, uh, a growing outreach to families with children with special needs. Through your regular giving, you as the covenant partners here, you're setting the pace for our future. You're creating an atmosphere of high commitment and great anticipation of what God is doing in and through First Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina. So on behalf of the session and the finance committee, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. The third principle. Hilarious giving operates from a sense of abundance instead of scarcity. Abundance. Rather than scarcity. Most of us are trapped on a treadmill of consumption that wearies our American souls. As soon as our cup runneth over, what do we do? We go out and buy a bigger cup, right? It's the American way. But what this means is that you and I are always living with an illusion of scarcity. Always bemoaning the gap between what's in and out of our cup. When in reality, we among all peoples on this planet are the most blessed financially. Years ago, someone showed me um, a website that, that you can, that you can accent and it allows you to compare your household income with the average income of other families around the world. And I was stunned at the results when I put my own data in. It shows that if your family income is $20,000 a year, you are a part of the richest 13% of people 
on this planet, $20,000. If your family income is $60,000, you are a part of the richest 2% on this planet. And yet how often we think, if I just had a little bit more, I would be secure and I would have everything that I need. My friends, the truth of the matter is, is that we're all, everyone here, we're all rich people. Whether we realize it or not. And we live in a nation of abundance, even in the economy that we're experiencing now. So here's some nuts and bolts information. Financial counselors frankly talking about setting up an 80-10-10 family budget. What they're talking about here is creating a household budget where we give 10%, we save 10%, and then we, yes, maintain lifestyles on the 80%. Now, some of you who are older, I know I'm boring you to tears right now. You know all this. You grew up during tough times in this country. And the discipline to do this was instilled in you by your parents. But you know what the problem with us younger folks is? And you know, despite my gray hair, I turned 57 last week, by the way, I still consider myself a young person. Yes, I do, Claire Ripley. I do. Well, my generation, the baby busters, and all of you below, millennials, Gen Z, Gen Y, all of that kind of stuff, you know what the issue for us is? We like to live off of 105% of our income. And because of this, we're way too far in debt. We're overextended. And now we can't give, or we think we can't give, because we spend so much of our income paying the interest on our debt. All of this conspires to make us believe that we have very little. And if you and I believe that we live in a world of scarcity... It's a sure thing that we will find giving a chore, an insurmountable challenge, even a threat. Yet if you and I will dis- discipline ourselves, gain some perspective about the level of affluence we enjoy, and catch a vision of abundance, hilarious giving, it will become our joy. Lastly, Number four, hilarious giving causes other people to praise God. Listen again to what Paul says in our scripture reading today. In verses 12 through 13, he says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Paul says that through our giving, we can cause an increase in thanks and praise to Almighty God. One of the local mission agencies we support here does outreach to international students in the upstate. The couple that leads this ministry, their names are Florine and Amy Palagia. And they hold events throughout the year uh, in which they invite these international students to hear about and experience a life 
in Christ. Now, their daughter, Anna, has Down syndrome. But here's another thing. She's also deaf. A number of years ago, and God's providence, somehow, some way, some of us found out that they were struggling to find an appropriate educational atmosphere for Anna. It seems that some places like the public school system could, could help them in terms of Anna's Down syndrome, but they were unable to work with her hearing impairment at the same time. Other agencies could work with her, her, her deafness, but they were not equipped to address her other special needs. Well, unbeknown to them, a few folks in our church secretly began to create an educational trust fund for Anna. And they arranged for donors to contribute to that family's needs. When we finally told Florine and Amy what we had been doing, they burst into tears of joy. Florine said with Tears in his eyes. Brian, you have no idea what this means. Amy and I thought we were alone in this. Just to know that the, the church cares. Well, that means everything. Friends, in the coming days, as you and I talk about the things that I've mentioned today with your spouse, if you're married, and children, if you have them, I hope that you will prayerfully consider the practical things that you and I can do To become hilarious givers. At home, take a look at that chart that you're going to receive in the mail. Talk about a regular system for, for, for regular and proportional giving. Consider your life within the context of American abundance, something that we all enjoy. And ponder the praise and thanksgiving for God that your giving will bring from the people you touch through your faithful stewardship. And then take one step up for Christ and his ministry here in this community and beyond. This week again, as I mentioned, all of us are going to be receiving these commitment cards in the mail. And then this coming Sunday, October 16th, we'll be given an opportunity to bring those cards forward during our worship service. Uh, If you're not here next Sunday, you can mail those cards into the church office. No problem there. These cards will represent concrete expressions of our faith in God and for our commitment to the future ministry here at First Presbyterian. In the meantime, I invite you to try these things that I've relayed to you from Scripture this morning. Friends, it feels so good. A lifestyle of giving might be the most hilarious thing you ever do. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge you do not need our giving. You are perfect and complete in every way. But we also acknowledge that you have made us in such a way that we need to give. And so that through that, we might experience the abundance of life that you have to offer. Speak to our hearts and minds these coming days as we turn back to this scripture passage and in others. And instill in us an ability, and indeed a joy to follow through in our hilarious giving. For we pray this through your Son's name. Amen.